Hey Tim, how's it going? Hey, it's going, it's going all right. You have COVID yet? With all of this gun talk, we all we, we forgot that COVID's still going on, and we're still oh, locked man. in our homes. The media cycle just has us going on a roller coaster ride of outrage. We, we we can't stay, you know. Just when the outrage was starting to lapse about COVID, now we have something more to be outraged about. Yeah, it's it's nonstop. All right. Well, we're going to continue our series of the objectivist virtues. And it's interesting because we were just talking about uh, the gun ban recently. And the next virtue I want to talk about is the virtue of justice. So I'll do Mm. my same thing where I give kind of an overview of my understanding of the virtue, and then we can dive into it. But I think it's important to note right off the bat that we're talking about moral justice more so than legal justice. In a proper system, legal justice They'd be the same. Would, would be the same as moral justice, right? But so, and justice isn't only about morality, but it's crucially and fundamentally about morality. Sure. Um, and so the way uh, objectivism talks about justice, it's rationality in the evaluation of other men. So it's really about looking and judging people rationally, because as we talked about the three virtues we've talked about so far, honesty, integrity, and independence, are all functions of rationality. Justice is as well, but it's, you know, there's something different about people than things, right? I have to be rational and honest and have integrity about everything, but there's something additional when it comes to people. And that's the whole idea that you're a self-made soul. So I have to judge you based that you've chosen to do the things you do and you choose to be the person you are. And so that's different than a chair. That's different than the weather. So there's an additional important piece. Um, And so there's the two main parts of justice is one that you have to recognize that you're volition, you have volition and that you're an end in yourself. You're not a means to my end. Um, And so that you, that, you know, I have to judge your actions based on like what they're aiming at and, and that you're the, you have the ability to make choices. And then the second is that, I should never commit false moral sanction. So the the virtue of justice demands that you enact your principles of justice and that I I don't have to go about proselytizing, but I should never make, I should never have someone assume I agree with something that I don't agree with. And so sometimes it's just enough to say, I do not agree. And if you think they can't be convinced, but you should never allow implicit moral sanction to someone because that's very damning and you should stand up for uh, your moral principles whenever and wherever possible. And so this is, again, we're, we're talking about principles and freedom is an important principle and it's just to, it's only, you're only just if you're standing up for everyone's freedoms, not just the ones that apply to you um, and that right. you care about. And then in terms of how this is enacted, the last point is that it's the traitor principle, right? So in objectivism, it's, the, you know, the most moral relationship or the only moral relationship is that is a, of a trader. And so to act justly is to trade value for value. And that's oh, the trade, old, trader, trade, not, yeah, tra- not, not traitor, traitor, trader, okay. sorry, the <laughs> trader principle. Yeah. Um, and so it's, I trade value for value. And right. when we both, since I recognize we both have volition and we're both ends in ourselves, it's a just transaction when both of us agree to the transaction because we are both pursuing our ends and I can judge that accordingly. So that's kind of the broad 
view of justice. Uh, what are your initial thoughts on that? Uh, that's interesting. That's kind of different than, you know, I've, I've always thought of justice from kind of more of a legalistic thing, but also trying to align the legal with the moral. So I'd never thought of justice in and of itself outside of a legal framework per se. Um, how would an objectivist deal with un- injustice, let's say? Um, someone acting unjust. What? How is justice, say, restored, or is is there any well, framework so, for that? Um, I mean, off of the top of my head, it's really dependent on any individual situation, right? I think it's important that you know a lot of people think of justice in a legal framework, but you know when something is unjust, even if it's legal right. to do, or okay. even if it has no right, right. warrant sure. on so, so like so, a so, kid takes your toy, right? Like someone right. takes your property when you're a kid. Well, that's not fair. That doesn't like, you can kind of get that that's something's right. wrong here. Um, but so each, like each situation to the degree you can, you should restore justice, right? You have to look at your principles yes. and understand okay. what is the way in which to rectify this properly. And I mean, yeah. there's an infinite amount of ways justice can be breached. So there'd be an infinite number of ways to fix and re- restore justice. Right. And I, I like this as it applies to, let's say, a situation where you need um, to apologize, right? It's like, say you wrong someone and, and um, or someone, you know, there, there's a violation of trust or whatever, whether it's maybe it's infidelity or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um with a romantic partner. Okay. And they, that, so what I'm hearing you say is that that maybe some principle of justice has been breached here, uh, or, you know, at least you are not acting in integrity with your own principles and volition um, in that, in that instance. Right. So to me now, how that, how that is remedied is, um, you know, the, the, the bond of trust that you have broken that needs to be restored somehow. And there's, there's right. But justice is also recognizing that that might not always be the case, right? That person doesn't end in themselves. And if they determine that, no, like this cannot be repaired, that might be just as well. So that justice is, you know, people say they value justice, but I think many people actually value mercy and unconditional love and these things. And it's well, no, like there are certain lines that can be crossed. Yeah. Um, And and I want, and and that's what I was getting at. um, Mm. Because one of the things that bothers me, I think, is this constant refrain of you need to, you need to offer forgiveness to people who have wronged you, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Why? (laughs) You know, I think, I think forgiveness is a two way street. Uh, like, I, I don't think a superficial apology is enough for some things. I think there needs to be some, some work done to restore it. So, mm-hmm. so if forgiveness is going to be given, um, if things are going to be repaired, that person has to, has to do something to repair that. Um, you know, and so I, I'll say, like, I think generally people conflate to use um, forgiveness to mean two different things, right? One is the sense I'm talking about it in where things have been restored to wholeness again, to their original state or better, let's say, mm-hmm. uh, in terms of, you know, let's talk about infidelity and that trust has been restored to um, pre-infidelity levels um, or or beyond, maybe you become even closer, more intimate and maybe establish more trustworthy, but that's done through a lot of work and action and, and uh, restitution to the person you wronged, right? Or there's another sense in which someone is irredeemable and, and you you just kind of have closure 
over what they've done to you and mm -hmm. you don't give them another second thought again. You don't let them uh, uh, be a vampire on your mind or a parasite on your mind constantly bringing you back to that victimization or whatever, whatever they did to you. Right. So, so yeah. to me, what most people are talking about when they say you need to forgive is closure. But I think you need to make a clear distinct distinction between those two different concepts. One is they're both good, but actual real forgiveness requires, it, it's a two way street there. Someone has to work to gate, gain your forgiveness in my estimation, but That's closure. Yeah. So that's really an interesting and important point, actually. So I might disagree that most people mean only closure because I think justice is really linked with integrity. And so, you know, Ayn Rand says we live in the cult of compromise as if compromise right. is good for its own yes. sake and people don't have principles. So the whole mm -hmm. idea is even if you feel wrong, we'll compromise with them, even though they morally wronged you. It's like you can compromise with evil, right? Like that's basically right. the principle. Everyone yes. lives in gray, right? But, but that aside, what, what people mean or not aside, I think the point you said really resonates with me about this need to decouple and how people aren't able to, you know, so I've, let's seen, let's say sought a lot of restitution in the past few years as I've changed. And it's up to each person, whether or not they think I've changed, whether or not that matters, if I can ever be forgiven. But on the flip side, when I'm reflecting on people who I'm deciding whether or not I want them to be in my life, there seems to be this in like, so, you know, people love the word compassion, right? I need to be compassionate for these people. But they assume then that if I'm compassionate, that means they get to stay in my life. Right. And it's like, but what you're saying is there's forgiveness. And then there's what was the other word you said? Just kind of like uh, something, something like closure, closure, right? right? And like so, psychological closure. Like I right. now. And, yeah. And so like, I can be, I, I have to, I have to be, I don't know if it's like true for everyone. You, you want to show someone compassion, understand where they're coming from, understand why they do the right. things they do. And that like lets them not off the hook, but it kind of, it puts them in perspective. And that is what allows you to have closure. But that's right. very different from then saying, well, just because that happens, I, I forget everything they did or they do, and I just let them back into my life. And people have right. this inability to segment those two things. And I said, no, I'm very able to look at someone with compassion, know that they're struggling and they're acting out because of issues in their life, and still say, well, but unless they act to change what they've done to me, I'm not going to forgive them or I'm not right. going to let them back into my life. And that, yes, yes. again, it, it gets tough because the forgiveness has a tinge to it as if I'm holding a grudge or something. Right, and right, it's right. not, it's like, it's like a gentle non-forgiveness. It's because it's almost like it becomes an indifference, yeah. let's say. But that is, it's the, like justice, like the, all of the virtues, it's much more deep and complex than people treat it at the surface level. And it's, if you, you have to really judge this person this is also what we talked about in the gun debate, the gun conversation. People are volitional. They've chosen to do this, right? You can't, a lot of people like to dismiss, oh, it's just how they are. They were raised a certain way. No, if you believe in free will, which I do, I don't think it's a belief. I think free will is a fact, but then someone makes all of their choices, right? And so you also right. have to judge them, not just for what they've done, but that they chose to do all of the things they've done. Right. Yes. No, I have, I have a couple thoughts. One is, um, 
you know, the reason closure is so important and, and the reason why people often say, you know, forgiveness is something you do for yourself. Mm-hmm. There's some truth to that in that what you don't want to do is go forward in life, harboring all this resentment, bitterness, and like angst towards a certain individual. Right. Mm-hmm. So you, you want to, you know, I think it's healthy to look at that person somewhat empathetically or sympathetically and mm-hmm. say, okay, there's a bunch of reasons. Maybe, okay. Like maybe your boyfriend smacks you or something, you leave him, and he begs your forgiveness, but you know, you're never going back to him. Right. Okay. Now you can harbor a lot of resentness and bitterness and like anger towards him. That's not going to help you. That's true. Uh, you can have closure by understanding, okay, maybe this kid came from a rough childhood and mm-hmm. like he's playing out all these things and he's expressing his unmet need in very tragic ways that's leading to his own kind of existence in hell. I don't have to have anything to do with that. Right. I can let go of all that. I can harbor no ill will towards him. Um, and I can also have, want to have nothing to do with them. All those things right. can be true. And I think that's a healthy state to be in. I don't think it's healthy to just accept his apology and say, Oh, I forgive you and go back with him and right. act like nothing ever happened. Right. Which is quite often what, what abusers, manipulators, parasites, whatever you want to call second handers, what they often do right. is, is they manipulate you by saying, well, well, I asked for, for forgiveness and you're not giving it to me. And uh, and then know, that and you use that to manipulate you into this toxic relation back into this toxic relationship with them right right and and so in that that kind of forgiveness just saying oh i forgive you and get back to them no that's not healthy right they right. have to and earn it if there's any hope of redemption two things so one it's interesting you bring up second hander because that's a term ayn rand first used and my understanding in the fountainhead and i wanted i was about to bring that up but i think before that the abusive relationship is the perfect concretized example that it's easier for people to grasp because, you know, there's this idea that when it's just emotional dynamics or moral dynamics, that that's not the same as like physical abuse. And obviously physical abuse is worse, but it, it, it's the same principles that apply that. Right. Yeah, yeah. You can say, okay, I understand that you came from a tough place. Like everything you outlined is true, but that's true even not in non physically abusive relationships, but it seems to be harder for people and the reason I think it's harder for people is because they're so second-handed. So again, one of the other virtues is independence, right? And so they and so they use other people's judgment as their barometer for life, right? And so that's true for positive judgment and it's true for negative judgment. And so when you and I mean someone who's motivated by hatred of someone else is still second-handed, right? Because they're still motivated by, oh, I want to get back at this person, or right, like their their whole orientation is to other people. And so, what it means to really be independent and to really apply justice is this basic indifference, right? Like this is just someone who did this thing, and I have to look at it objectively and just deal with it. And that, uh, to many people, comes across as more hurtful actually when you when you're actually just indifferent to their. Uh, injustices to their immorality and you just say you know this doesn't affect my life at all anymore and that's really what's kind of personified in Howard Rourke in the fountainhead is he's just indifferent to all of the immorality around him for the most part and the reason that indifference is so infuriating is well I mean just think of a toddler right who's having a temper tantrum Um, they they have an unmet need and they don't know how to articulate it Mm -hmm. the only thing they need to know to do is is to scream out and misbehave in and if you're an astute parent you recognize okay this kid's suffering there's something going on there's an unmet need 
my job is to get to the root of this. It's not to let them get away with this kind of bad behavior. It's, it's to teach them how to maybe ask to have his needs met in a more constructive way and give, help him give words to that. Mm-hmm. But in adults, it looks like people who, um, who are like, say, are these second handers who, who demand uh, a response from you, right? And who suck you into this kind of dysfunctional relationship where maybe it's, you know, if it's an abusive or, or let's say verbally abusive husband who guilts his wife into doing everything for him, cooking his meals, rubbing his mm. feet, what, whatever. And, you know, and, and treats her like crap, does nothing in return. Um, I mean, that, that requires a two-way street. It requires you to be altruistic and respond to this and be guilted by it and all these things. And when they don't get, when, when all they get is an indifference, when they like, that's the worst thing for them. At least mm-hmm. if you fight back, now they can use that against you and say, see, you're just like me. You're fighting too. You're, you, you right. know, you're passionate about something well, or whatever. And but I think indifference it, is the worst thing for these people. Yeah. Right. And it's also because they're secondhanded, right? Their whole yeah. like grounding, let's call it is around how people treat them and how people react to them. So to just, if you're indifferent to them, it's just outright denying that. But I, so we've talked a lot about kind of one aspect of justice and really it's about, no, how do you treat people who are morally wrong? But um, you know, there's a few other important aspects. So one, one to highlight why justice is important again, it's because it's applying rationality in the evaluation of people, right? Rationality is the only way to evaluate people. And it's not, Oh, I feel a certain way. Like, Oh, I feel he's a good guy, even though my mind's telling me, He's hitting me and that's objectively wrong and things like that. So I think that's an important aspect. But the the other important aspect is about your moral sanction, your like how you mm. view justice and how people know you view justice, right? And so this is all how it's applied in specific situations. And that is the most important thing. But you also have to live out justice, right? And so again, you know, objectivism says... In, in their view of the virtues, these are, ac- these are actions I'm consistently taking. And so it's, if I'm just, I want to stand for my values. That's part of what justice is, is standing for justice and never letting someone think that you morally sanction something you don't. And so again, right. it's not that I have to tell everyone everything that's wrong with what they're doing when it's unjust, but at least not having them think, I think it's just because it's really... Right especially for the second hander, that's what feeds them. And they'll never question it if everyone just stays silent. And so it's, I have to stand up for justice when, when it's appropriate, even to just say, this is wrong. The gun ban is wrong. I don't have to get into the details. I don't have to convince everyone, but I have to stand for justice and not let people think I sanction things I don't. And that's a really important aspect of it as well. Yeah. And that can, that can look like even something as simple as someone being, um, you know, insulting or something like that on your Facebook wall, like right. thinking that you, you will just sit there and tolerate that, uh, or even someone not- else, right? Like they're sorry to interrupt, but there was like the stereotype of like, you know, people just insulting a stranger or like, you know, womanizing someone and just being the guy who can say, I don't agree with this. This is inappropriate. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or, you know, I'm thinking of uh, times at work where someone's like, you know, or where everyone's like obviously in favor of something and and has no problem with this. And you you feel the pressure to kind of go along just to make things easy. But, you know, 
standing up and say, no, I don't think that's right. You know, in the face of unpopularity and maybe social um, yeah. sanction or something like that, uh, that, that is, I think what we're talking about here when it comes to justice, just standing up for what's right, not what's popular. Um, mm. but yeah, no, 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 I think there's, that, that's yeah. a really good point. And, and it's really important for living in a society. It's by no means a duty. You have no duty to anyone else. I mean, you have, let's call it a duty to yourself to stand up for your values. You will know, you will leave that meeting knowing, oh, I should have said something. I really don't agree. I wonder if anyone else did, right? Like, cause you know, it takes one person to be the first, right? And so you don't owe it to other people, but I'd say you kind of owe it to yourself to stand up for your values because you're, you know, when you don't do that. Yeah. Um, and the, so the last major piece, cause we talked, there's always kind of the existential and the uh, intellectual piece. So we've talked about the intellectual piece and then the existential piece of justice is the trader principle, right? Trader principle. Right, right, right. And so it's, you know, a just transaction is when you and I agree to something based on our own, uh, you know, rational judgment. And I mean, that is really, people stand for justice in society, right? Like most people stand for justice. They have different meanings of, you know, social justice and all this other BS, but they seem to not really trust people's rationality and justice in the existential realm, right? If I'm, you know, uh, if I'm Jeff Bezos, no, these people are just exploited for the very act of working for me, right? Which just completely mm. dismisses the principle of traders, traders. And um, so it's really important to recognize, but it's not just for uh, like wealth and material values. The trader principle also applies to spiritual values, right? I have someone in my life when I think they're giving value to my life. I don't have to have someone in my life just to benefit them. And that's like, right. you know, love is a, a recognition of values and it's a trade. You love your wife, your life lo- loves you, right? You wouldn't want to love someone selflessly. Oh, I don't get any value from you, but I'm just doing it because it benefits your life, right? Um, yeah. And so the trader principle is really important as well. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, <clears throat> I will also say that sometimes like trying to be, to have integrity or fidelity to your your values can cause you or your principles can cause you to to re-examine your principles too i'll give you an example you know maybe maybe you think free speech is one of your principles and so you you let people say all sorts of nasty things about you uh on your own (laughs) facebook page and you're just like well i I support free speech so i have to let this happen right but yet it feels terrible and i i don't like you know, seeing that pollution on my wall all the time. Well, you can also think that, look, um, you, ha- you have the right to your own domain <laughs> too, right. right? You have the right to your own private space and you wouldn't let anyone come to your kitchen table and just sit there and insult your wife and kids. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we would boot them out and they would not be welcome in our domain. So um, something, so, so, you know, things like that. I'm just using that as a personal example because mm-hmm. it's like, you know, for a while there, I would let people just say whatever they want about me on my Facebook page and I would tolerate it. Right. I wouldn't be happy about it, but then I realized, well, wait a sec, I wouldn't tolerate that. And I have all sorts of principles to back up that. And by the way, free speech is a subset of actual property rights. Um, Mm -hmm. It's not something in and of itself. So why shouldn't I uh, boot these people and exercise my property rights here? Um, And it felt 
felt pretty good to clarify that, right? Yeah, I mean, free speech is with respect to, yeah, the government, right? So like YouTube can ban yes. whoever it wants because YouTube has its rights. Um, but yeah, I think that's exactly right. You do, not, you do not need to engage in any relationship, be it personal or professional, if you don't get value in return for it, right? You do not owe anyone, you do not like either material or spiritual goods, right? And so we talk yes. a lot about the spiritual goods, like you don't have to go back to the abusive husband or whatever, but it, it also applies to material values, right? Don't, don't engage in a contract if you don't think it's a trade, if you don't think it's fair, right? And I, I, I don't have much more to dive into that on, but I think it's important to highlight as well. Yeah, no, that's fair. And, and do you have anything to say about how to apply the, the principles of justice to the legal realm? Well, I think, I mean, I'm not a lawyer. I don't, I have not thought about it much, but the whole idea is that like the, the whole apparatus of the legal system is supposed to be there to enact proper moral justice, right? To, right. if someone wrongs someone, then the government can like can provide for restitution, right? So if yeah. you steal from me, I have a right to my property back and there needs to be mechanisms to prove you stole from me. If you cheated me on a contract, right? It's basically if we agree to a transaction and you, and you cheat the transaction, so you lied or you do something through course of action, then there needs to, justice is setting that right. And so the, the only reason for the legal system is to enact that justice but we've gotten so far from that now right yeah. now no, it's just totally. laws are just made to made to enact rules that some people think should be right but in a right. in a proper system of government and of laws the laws are in place to figure out what is the way to provide restitution and justice in this scenario and that right. is like, and, and, and this, this is actually how common law courts used to operate, right? They were looking for the principles of justice. They were trying to drill down and make sure, you know, because people would come before them with a dispute, one of them would be seeking a remedy and then the judge would have to be like, well, what happened here? What's just in this case? And they would drill down into the principles of justice and the scholarly work and, and the past precedents that have been set. And so out of that comes certain maxims or principles like, you know, when it comes to self-defense, you can use as much force as is necessary to defend yourself, but no more than that. Right. So, mm -hmm. you know, if someone, if you repel a burglar and he's running down the street away from your house, it's probably not just to, to shoot him in the back or something right. like that. Right. You've repelled the force. There's no more danger you don't get to chase them down and, and execute them vigilante style or something at that point. Um, and, and this all comes from a body of case law with justices looking to distill things to a principle and mm -hmm. what principle and, and then, okay, now, now we've got that maxim of you're allowed to use as much force, but no more, but there's gray areas in there where did it go across that line or, and so you have to drill down further and look at the specific context of the case and right. try to distill even more how you would clarify in different contexts and different situations. That's what, that's what law used to look like. That's what, you know, they were looking for that moral principle always mm -hmm. or, or always looking to like compare the real world to the principle and, and find the 
and, and clarify the gray edges uh, of that thing. And, and they would, it would get more accurate and more um, clear over time, right? Kind of like the scientific method almost, how we move from uh, Newtonian, uh, Newtonian physics to Einsteinian relativity. One doesn't get rid of the other, but it, it, it builds off of it. It gets more accurate and builds off it, right? That's what law used to look like. Now law is legislative in that our elected officials write down stuff on paper and that becomes a sacred document. And then now a judge's job is to compare your behavior to what's written down uh, in in the yeah. legislation and see whether there's a dis- discrepancy there. Um, we'll have to have no a longer, longer looking at principles. We'll have to have a longer conversation about that because it's something I'm struggling to understand because inherently common law seems proper to me, but in like objectivism, they are against it because it's like a, a haphazard pragmatic process where you know you can sit and think of theories and understand things. So it's an interesting thing. I've not, I've not thought much about, but I think there, there is something to that, right? I mean, it's, it's, you know, I understand the objectivist objection to, to it because there, there ought to be a very clear algorithm to which you live your life inside. Right. But there's gray areas, like even the non-initiation of force, is can can be a gray area like you mm-hmm. can use the example of of light coming from your neighbor's property obviously porch light shining onto your those photons trust are they trespassing on your property when they hit it um at what point does it become a violation of your property rights well porch light probably not a violation but a million megawatt yeah. uh, laser uh probably is okay and there's right. a continuum there where and at some point that line is crossed and so an right, objectivist and- can't clearly write that down ahead of time. But what we want is courts looking at trying to use these objective principles and determine, right. okay, wh- where has that line been crossed? And that's what the common law does to me. And sometimes decisions aren't perfect and common law because it's decentralized allows for a correction in the precedent and, and to explain why that judge was wrong and his reason and rationality and why we ought to go this direction and, and when it, considering these specific types of cases when applied to the principle of non-aggression uh, or something like that, right? So I, I think um, objectivists, I think common law courts could be an objectivist best friend if they, if they let it. And I think they would need something like that to uphold objective law because everything is well, so uh, I situational think, and contextual, right? I, I, I think I disagree, but I'll put a pin in this because it will, will, it's a full other episode, I think, and mm. we can go down a rabbit hole. I'm so excited yes. to hear what I have to say in that episode. Yeah, I can't wait. <laughs> um, but so the last thing I want to talk about justice is I think it's like deeper than just how the legal system works. The very notion of justice has been corrupted in our culture, right? The, the, the whole idea that there's some sort of social justice as if justice mm-hmm. isn't applicable equally to everyone, right? That there's like your justice and his justice. And I mean, it's part of this subjective uh, light, way of life anyways, but more so, I want to highlight actually that the, the last two virtues we'll talk about in later episodes are productiveness and pride. And it's really interesting because three of the virtues that we've talked about, integrity, honesty, and justice, most people kind of agree that those are virtues. Most people agree those are good things, even though they won't agree with uh, you know, necessarily how I outlined it. But like they like that, that idea that these are good things, to be honest, to have integrity and to have just and be just, but it's actually, but they would reject the other three. And it's interesting to see the split because 
the three that they like are the three that they view as socially oriented. So justice is about other people. Honesty is about not lying. Integrity is about so people know how to deal with you. And the three that are really about just yourself, pride, productiveness, independence, that those are kind of rejected. So it's an interesting contrast Mm -hmm. to kind of see how with justice in particular, because justice is the only virtue that's about how you deal with other people, but about both honesty and integrity as well, people will at least claim to support those three, um, but probably wouldn't say the other three are virtues. And it's really, it seems to be along this split of what can be co-opted and claimed to be largely for others versus what is clearly only for your own well-being. Right. Yeah. No, that's a good point. I, I think that's a bit dead on. So we said each of these episodes will say, what is one thing we can try and implement in our life to better live out this virtue? Do you have one in mind for how to properly uh, bring more justice into your life? Yes, I, I banned a guy on Facebook. I let him get away with saying so many things. He, he was a bad faith. I should have recognized right off the bat when he friend requested me and sent me questions immediately. Like, what do I, th- <clears throat> I need, I have two very important questions for you. One, what is your stance on borders? And two, something else. I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. so this guy is going to judge me based on like how I deal with an, such a nuanced and complex topic as borders in a status world. And <clears throat> that was my first red flag. And he just kept popping up red flag, moral chastisement constantly. And I finally just banned him and I felt a little bit bad about it. So what I'm taking from this is ban people much earlier and don't give them a goddamn second thought or feel bad about doing it, cutting that kind of toxicity out of my life. Yeah, that's good. And for me, I've touched on what, is like a very important kind of piece, puzzle piece that fell into my mind. I've been having this conversation with people about recognizing someone for themselves and for living their life, but then still being just in not including them in my life. And I didn't recognize it as that is just, right? And so it's given me more moral certainty that and a different moral lens on why that is the right decision to make. And I think that will help me understand my relationships more broadly. And it's also actually, as I've been reaching out to other people and basically in some sense or another asking for forgiveness, I have to remind myself that there is no expectation of that. And, and you know, it, right. I do know that explicitly, but sometimes there's still like, you know, it hurts to not be forgiven, but I have to understand that, well, no, it is just, and I have to understand well, I have to think, is it just? And often it is. And so just to really understand that and reflect more on the actions I've taken um, and to, to also view my uh, you know, personal relationships with the trader principle that it is, like, it is okay to say that someone should bring value to my life. I do not owe anyone my time or my love. And so yeah. like, it's, it's an important kind of encapsulation for me of how to move forward with people. Yeah, no, that's a great point too. That's something I could do better because I I pretty much engage in conversation with anyone who wants to, right? Uh, Mm -hmm. Like there are, you know, there are people who call me up regularly and I I feel bad when I don't pick up the phone sometimes and I'm going to, you know, commit to not feeling bad and, uh, you know, uh, maybe not, you know, there, there are things that I need to focus on. And actually quite often, 
I use uh, people calling me or wanting to ask me a question or demanding a thing as a, a tool of procrastination to bring right. me away from the thing I'm struggling with. If I have writer's block, this is a good excuse for me not to sit there and look at that blank page until something comes out, right. um, which I need to do sometimes. Uh, you know, I'll get distracted. So that's uh, that's good. Good. I, I need to. I'll take that going forward and be a little bit more judicious with my um, conversations and my time. All right. Thanks, Tim. Thank you, David.